0: Good morning, Crossbridge. Would you please stand and join us for worship this morning? Today, our opening verse is Psalm 73, 25 through 26. Psalm 73, 25 through 26 going to have the youth read it for us this morning.
1: Whom have I in heaven but you, but there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever.
0: Amen.
2: me explain what's going on today in case anyone doesn't know. Today is Youth Sunday at Crossbridge, so the youth have taught Sunday school classes. The youth, not you, Wesley, <laughs> you're too old to be a youth. They are leading worship, uh, they're, they're going to be doing everything today, and then you see all this food over here, after church today, we're going to auction that off and raise money for them uh, to go to their camp. And then we got a huge meal downstairs. So Joel and Shelly have been working hard, and all the youth have been working hard on this. So I'm glad to be here. Beautiful weather this morning. Like spring is, I think, almost here. There's three things that I love about spring. I asked the boys this on the way in this morning. I, I had to get them to try to guess. First thing, I love spring turkey season. There's nothing like going turkey hunting. There's also nothing like spring crappie fishing. I love spring. And the most important, as we get to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ at Easter. So, a lot to look forward to. I'm glad you're with us this morning. I'm glad if you're watching online or downstairs. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll do our welcoming time today. Lord Jesus, we do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, the ability uh, to come here today, Lord, to worship you, to preach your word, Lord, to support uh, our youth and, and, and teach them the gospel disciple them to engage with them as a local body of believers and to support them Lord and it is a huge they are the most important generation because they're they're the part of the generation that's here now and so Lord let us as a church uh, be there to support them God and, and I'm, I'm thankful for them this morning and, and the work that Joel and Shelley put in with them and teaching them the truth of who you are Lord and so be with us today as we preach your word as we as we dig in and we teach it and and, uh, we worship you, Lord, and uh, be with the youth. They're going to be leading part of this service today, God, that they won't be nervous, but they're just glorifying and honoring you. And, And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you for bringing us here today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes and tell everybody hi this morning. me so. Thank you. you. may be seated this morning. Jenna, you want to read some announcements? You're, you may want to read one, and then we'll pause and kind of explain it, or you can try to explain it. I can explain it? Okay. Put that mic up there. They can hear you.
1: Life Recovery Friday nights at 7 to 8 p.m.
2: Life Recovery Friday nights from 7 to 8. Where's Matt? Matt's there's Matt. Matt teaches Life Recovery. If you have somebody that's struggling with addiction... Have them see Matt on Friday night. Saturday
1: night, freeway, 5.30, dinner and service.
2: All right, Saturday night, freeway, service, every week, 5.30, dinner and service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good good job. Tell them about Wednesday night.
1: (laughs) Wednesday night, dinner at 6.15, classes at 6.45.
2: Okay, get here on Wednesday night.
1: Men's Bible study, Sunday night, 6 p.m., men's study.
2: Men's study tonight. Perfect. That's correct, isn't it, Max? Men's study tonight. Okay, yeah. Today is Youth, Youth Sunday. Sunday. What are we doing after church? An auction. And what else? Are we eating? Yes. Yeah, we're Baptists. <laughs> we're eating today, right? Okay.
1: Community outreach, Saturday, March 27th, from okay. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m.
2: When is that? Next Saturday, We're having a community outreach. So what we're going to do, Mike Simons is in charge of that. Um, It's going to be, we're we're going to go out and saturate neighborhoods. I think we're going to start street by street, passing out information about Crossbridge Baptist Church and our freeway service, praying with people, sharing the gospel with people. If you would like to help with that, it's 10 a.m. next Saturday morning here at the church.
1: Business meeting Sunday, March 28th, after morning service.
2: Okay, so next Sunday after the morning service, we're going to have a business meeting. By a show of hands, how many of you think our chairs are uncomfortable to set in? Okay, about three-quarters of the congregation. <laughs> we're looking at buying new chairs, um, and so we've got maybe a couple of different options. We're going to talk about that. Also, there's been an opportunity potentially to buy a much bigger building here in town for the time being. So we're going to give you some information on that, so please stay. Uh, after the morning service next week,
1: Wednesday, March 30th. I don't know
2: what
1: that is. 31st. Is,
2: oh, don't know that. Mark Dixon, East Texas, right to life. We've got flyers here. It is official now. Uh, this, this guy's a pastor uh, in Texas, he's a Southern Baptist preacher. On the 31st, we're going to be bringing him up here for a community-wide, church-wide. We're going to have other preachers here from our area. We're going to hold a meeting on passing an abortion ordinance, outlawing abortion within the city limits of Marshfield. We would be the first city in the United States outside of Texas to do so. Right now in Texas, 20 cities have passed ordinances. They're all through this gentleman's organization. He has teams of attorneys. So, we're bringing him up here. We're going to have a question and answer time. What does this mean? What is he going to look like for our city? You know, we can ask him any kind of questions. He's going to present some materials. So, be praying about this. This is an extremely important thing. Why is it important here? Because if we pass it here in Marshfield, guess what other towns are going to do? Other towns are going to say, hey, we need to do the same thing. Amos chapter 4 says, bring righteousness and justice to the city gates. That's exactly what we have to do. So, Uh, that's what this meeting is about on the 31st
1: good Friday service 7pm glow in the dark Easter egg hunt to follow for the kids 5th grade and below
2: Okay, perfect good Friday service and Easter morning
1: sunrise service at 7am breakfast at 730 Sunday school 9 worship at 10
2: sunrise service upstairs at 7 o'clock while that's going on all the guys are going to be cooking breakfast downstairs, and then we'll eat breakfast together and have our normal service times at uh, 9 and 10 a.m. on Easter morning.
1: Sunday, April 11th, is it Association? Yep. Association Bible Drill during morning worship.
2: Uh, okay, this is awesome. Last week, after church, we had four young people. Please stand up if you were one of those. Four young people passed our, our uh, first Bible drill, and that was the church drill, and they did an amazing job. So on, yes, give them a hand. Good job. On Sunday, April 11th, we are going to hold the Association Bible Drill right up here in front of all of you. And then I'll be uh, probably preaching a, a sermon on the study of God's word and how important hiding God's word in our heart is that Sunday, April 11th. And that's it. The next thing is the discipleship certificate. So thank you, young lady. Denny? It's Denny that's passing this out. Denny, where's Denny at? Is he up here? That Denny's downstairs. Man, I hate to pass out his certificate. Can somebody run down and get him real quick if he wants to do it? Tommy, come on up here. Harry's coming. He's coming. We got a discipleship certificate to pass out. This is extremely important, guys. Discipleship is extremely important. I'm sure Denny will say something about that.
0: Let me just say, uh, Tommy came to us last spring. Okay, let me just give you a little history about this guy. I've known this guy since he was in high school. He's a Seymour area guy, but anyway, we knew him when he was like a sophomore or junior at high school, which was when I first met him had nieces and nephews went to school with him but Tommy lost his dad approximately two years ago this fall he lost his mother and I just want to say this to this congregation you guys know who you are but thank you so much for reaching out to Tommy and adopting him as a part of this congregation I know. There, there are several families that have taken him in, but anyway, we started our discipleship back in February. <laughs> February or March, it was about two weeks before the COVID, I can tell you that, maybe three weeks, but uh, anyway, we got hit with the COVID, we had trouble finding times to meet. And uh, anyway, we did finish by the end of the year. That was a goal of ours. We finished by the end of the year. Tommy's been a great, great uh, inspiration to me to go back through the discipleship program. And if you haven't been through the discipleship program, I would encourage you to do so. I want to thank um, Denny here for um, taking time I his busy schedule to
2: go through this with me, and it's very important to do discipleship. I didn't realize how much of it was when I sat down again to go through it, so I highly recommend you guys to find somebody to go through discipleship with somebody. Thank you. Good job, bud. Thanks, Denny. (laughs) make disciples. <laughs> Jesus' command of the church, go and make disciples of all nations. That doesn't mean they just ex- believe in, in Jesus and be baptized and then we kick them to the curb, right? Making disciples as you teach them and you do life with them, you, you spend time with them. So it's extremely important. So I think I covered everything else. Uh, oh, church league softball practice tonight at 5 p.m. at Rotary Park. First game is Monday night at 7 at Rotary Park, if you want to come support the softball team. And hear the coach scream and yell at the team. Who's the coach? Tommy? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Okay, stand with us this morning as we enter our time of worship. We're gonna take up our morning offering today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, together and then they can do that. You coming up to Perfect. You got some youth doing it? All right, let's go Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you again, uh, Lord, that we're here this morning to worship you, God. And as we enter our time of worship, uh, this is an important part of that of giving, Lord. So we thank you for all the many blessings you've given us with. And Lord, we thank you for our youth again this morning and the blessing that they are. Be with us today as we enter our time of worship and we preach and teach your word, Lord. We love you and we do want to honor you in everything that we do. It's in your name I pray. Amen. But All right, all the, the kids can go downstairs to Children's Church with Miss Sierra this morning. Do we have somebody reading the scripture this morning? Good. Susanna, here's the mic. Come running up here and get it, honey. First, First Kings 22, 51 through 53. I'm going to make it real easy on you. 1 Kings 22, she hadn't been able to do a lot for you Sunday, so let's get her going here. 1 Kings 22, 51, what did I say, 51 through 53? Yeah. Let's, let's stand to honor God's word. We're going to give her a pass on standing because her leg's broken.
1: Okay. <laughs> give me a second, I had no idea I was going to do this. You're
2: so. <laughs> now you're supposed to be the Bible driller here.
1: Of course, there's like hard words in here. Okay, Isaiah, son of Ahab, began to rule over Israel in the 17th year of King Josaphat's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria two years, but he did did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the example of his father and mother, and the example of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. And he had led Israel to sin. He had served Baal and worshipped him, provoking the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, just as his father had done.
2: Good job, Suze. Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, this morning. Lord Jesus, again, we're here today, uh, God, and we want to worship you. And Lord, this is a scripture that maybe a lot of times we can read over and not pay a lot of attention to, but there's some truth here, Lord. And so um, as we dig into your word and we preach this and teach this, God, I, I pray that... On areas that we need to be encouraged, Lord, and how we're parenting and reaching our youth, that you encourage us, Lord. And areas that we need to be convicted of, Lord, we, we don't get mad at your word, we, we, uh, we conform to it, God, and, and we, we realize that we can do better in certain areas, God. And so, convict us where we need to be convicted today, uh, God. We love you, we thank you, it's in your name I pray, amen. You may be seated. When you're a pastor's kid, you're just under constant aggravation, right? Poor thing, but today is a today is a special day at CrossBridge, and we do have the honor of uh, supporting our youth here. Uh, And they've they've taught Sunday school classes this morning, and they've led in worship. And I I don't know for a lot of you know this, but I personally love youth. I love them. Uh, I started before I came to CrossBridge. I was a youth pastor of another Baptist church, and so I spent five years uh, in youth ministry teaching youth, and so. I, I don't know, I can relate to them, Selena would say, because I act like a big kid, which is probably really true in a lot of areas. But I just love youth, and those were some of the best years of ministry. Uh, I know that I probably made a lot of mistakes uh, in youth ministry, but uh, teaching God's Word to young people is something that is extremely extremely important, and I think it's very, very special. Uh, we have some members here today. I told her I was going to pick on her, and I won't make her stand up, but some of the some of our members here today used to be in our youth group. One of them's back there, and you can wave at me if you want to, Abby, but yeah, there you go. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, there's a lasting relationship that you build with these kids that's important, um, that does last, last, last a lifetime of being with one another and sharing the gospel with one another and, and teaching one another. And so I am thankful for Joel and Shelly this morning and the work that they do with our junior high and high school age kids. I'm thankful for Sierra and Olivia and Elizabeth for their work that they do in the children's departments. It's we're, We are very blessed as a body, uh, as a local body of believers to have the commitment from those folks teaching our kids on Sundays and Wednesday nights. But I want to start today by really... Acknowledging a hard truth. The title of today's sermon is Left Behind America's Youth. And we're, we're out of the book of John for maybe a couple of weeks, and we will go back into John and finish John as we've been preaching through it. But I, I think I, I want to I acknowledge a hard truth that I think the American church as a whole, when I say American church today, I'm talking about the global American church, has done a really, really bad job with youth over the last couple of decades, really. Um, it has been a constant problem, I don't, I, and I thought about this this week and, and what the title would be, and I kept going back to Left Behind. I don't know if you guys have seen the Kirk Cameron uh, series on the rapture called Left Behind, uh, and, and we can have a huge discussion about all that, but I just, <laughs> not today, but uh, it, it just made me keep thinking of the people that are left behind and how many youth in America today are being left behind when we talk about the gospel and knowing Christ and, and we see this in our country today. We see this rise of progressivism, as we could call it, or atheism. And, and, and I want to I quote cold case Christianity this morning. This is what cold case Christianity says about American youth. The de facto, and I quote, the de facto dominant religion among contemporary U.S. teenagers is what we call moralistic deism, which is a God who exists, who created and ordered the world, He watches over human life on earth. This God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to one another. The central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about oneself. This God doesn't need to be involved in one's life, except when God is needed to solve a problem. And good people go to heaven when they die. If that is the dominant religion among American teenagers, we have a serious problem then. Because you know what that is not? What I just read is not the God of the Bible. Everything I just quoted there is not the God of the Bible. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ. So if that's the dominant religion, and we see that. I think we can acknowledge and we look around. We see this rise of the, 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 the numbers actually say that up to 80% of American youth that attend church will leave the church. Anywhere from 60 to 80% will leave the church. Well, why is that? How do we stop this, this? How do we stop this? What is our responsibility as the church? What is our responsibility as church leaders? What is your responsibility and my responsibility as parents? What is your responsibility as grandparents? So how did we get here? Let me start with that. How did we get here? Well, here's the first point. This is how we got here to begin with. That American youth have followed the example that they see. American youth have followed the example that they see. And we see this in scripture here. Go back to our verses. I want to read it again. It's 1 Kings chapter 22, 51 through 53. And I want to point out a couple of things here. It says, Isaiah the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel and Samaria in the seventh year of Josaphat king of Judah. And he reigned two years over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. So here we see in in, in the book of Kings that this... Young man, Isaiah, he began to reign over Israel after his father Ahab had died. And what does, as Uzziah do, he follows along the example of his father and mother. In fact, in Scripture, this statement, the way of his mother, that, does not, that is not said any other time in Scripture in the Hebrew Bible than right here. So he, So his mother even had a huge influence, had a massive influence over his life. And how he lived his life. Now who wears father and mother? Well let's go back and look at that real quick. And I'm not going to read all the, the passages. But the first two. The two chapters before this. And I encourage you to read those. Write it down in 1 Kings. The two chapters before this. 20 and 21. Tell the life of Ahab. Anyone know his mother's name? Jezebel. So we, we see. that we, we, You'll see the life. Ahab was a man that was absolutely full of greed. He was full of greed. He worshiped false gods. His wife was a murderer. They actually, in the previous chapter, had a man named Naboth killed. Why did they have Naboth killed? Here's the backstory, story real quick. I want you to read it. But Naboth had this really nice vineyard. And Ahab said, I want that vineyard. And so he went to Naboth and he said, I want to buy your vineyard. Naboth said, it's forbidden for me to sell the inheritance of my fathers to you. I'm not going to sell it to you. So Ahab went home, all upset. I didn't get what I wanted. And it says he was sullen and displeased, and he refused to eat. He threw a fit like a little kid. Well, I'm not going to eat supper. I'm going to go to bed without supper, is pretty much what Ahab said. right? And Jezebel comes in and says, aren't you the king? Jezebel says, arise, I'll get you in Naboth's vineyard, if that's what the problem is. Eat some dinner, I'll get it worked out. So Jezebel had letters written in Naboth's name, to the city leaders, had, found two scoundrels, two liars, and she had these letters written in Naboth's name. And these letters were taken to the city leaders. And, and in the letters, it said that Naboth had blasphemed God and the king. And if you, are, if you blaspheme God, then you're stoned to death. And if you blaspheme the king, guess what happens? The king gets your property. So Jezebel had a righteous man killed and murdered so that Ahab got the land. But guess what? There's a God that watches over everything that happens. And when Naboth comes down, or when uh, Ahab comes down to take Naboth's vineyard, guess what God does? He sends a prophet to confront him about it. And he calls him out. And he's so Ahab, Ahab, my, my point in all this is Ahab and Jezebel are extremely wicked people. Extremely wicked people. And this is what the Bible says about them in 1 Kings 21, 25 and 26. It says this about Ahab and Jezebel. There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, who his wife Jezebel had incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols, as the Amorites had done, who the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. So make sure we understand this. Ahab and Jezebel, the king and the queen, they do very evil things. They worship false gods. They have people killed. They're greedy for money. They're living a life immoral away from God. And they have a son that grows up that is watching every move that they are making. And guess what happens to him? He turns out to be evil. Anybody surprised by that? Well, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be because kids are going to watch. We wonder why American youth are following a false god or a false gospel. You know what it goes back to? Who they're bombarded with, who they see the most, who they interact with the most. If parents aren't talking to their kids about Christ, guess what's going to happen as soon as they hear a message from a lost and dying world that goes against the truth of Scripture, if you are not teaching them God's Word, if you're not preaching them God's Word, if your home is not centered on Christ, they're going to be gone. They're going to be gone. Because kids are going to follow the example that they see. They're going to follow. Now, hey, now you may say, well, hey, hold on, Pastor Jeff. Man, I should have wore steel-toed boots this morning because you're getting rough here. They, hey, they don't see that from me. Well, maybe they don't necessarily see it from you, but they are seeing it from a lost and dying world. They are seeing it every time they turn on the TV. There is filth and garbage. I mean, watch the NCAA tournament right now. That's generally okay. But I mean, some of these shows and reality. It's just horrible. They see it and they're going to follow what most influences them in their life. So who should be a bigger influence in their life? It better be you. It better be me. With my kids. Because if I'm not talking to them about this stuff. Guess who they're going to follow? Some of the filth and nasty trash that you see on TV. Some of the filth and nasty trash that they they could get on their iPods. Or on their music list. Or on all these apps. Now... (laughs) You can say, boy, he's really being a boomer this morning, right? I guess so. But that's the truth. This country is not the same as it was when I was a kid. It just wasn't. And you can call me that, and maybe it's true. But I know that when I was a kid, and when some of you were kids, we didn't have the problems like we do today with gender-neutral bathrooms, for an example. You know, you simply used the bathroom that God assigned to you when you were born. And so we see all these issues that we're having. Our country is anti-God. Our country is very much... Anybody who says we're a Christian country anymore isn't paying attention. Because we're not. We are very anti-God, anti-Christian. More than any time in the history of our country, we are right now. Right now. And so who's going to have the greatest influence over our kids? Well, if you're a parent... Or a grandparent this morning. It, you better say you. You better say me. I'm going to have the biggest influence over my family. Because kids are observant. I was talking to a, a good friend of mine this week. And oh we just laughed and laughed about this. But he has a young son that's probably. Oh he's six or seven years old. And and my buddy leads worship. He leads worship at another church. He's a good friend of mine. But he said. He uh, said. You know, before I was telling him about you Sunday and what I was gonna be preaching about, and he started laughing. He said, I gotta tell you what my son said. He said, They had went to pray before bed. And and my good friend, he wouldn't even mention me, mention his name, but I'm not going to. He said, he was praying this prayer. He said, Lord, help me to be a better husband and a better dad and a better Christian. And he's praying with the son. And after the prayer, his voice said, Dad. You don't have to worry about being a great dad. You're a great dad, and I love you, but you may have to work on the Christian stuff. (laughs) And, and I mean, we laughed and laughed and laughed about that. I mean, I spit tea out of my mouth almost. It was hilarious, right? But the point is, not that he's not being that, but out of the mouth of babes, I said, Hey, dude, you better step up then, right? And we kind of laughed, but that's the truth. Kids are going to be observant, kids are going to see Kids are being bombarded with something What are they being bombarded with? Is it you and the gospel and the truth? Or are they being bombarded with the junk out there? You see, it's our responsibility And kids are going to follow the example that they see They will absolutely follow the example that they see So that brings up a question What do I do here? How do I? I'm going to give you another example. I gave you Ahab and Jezebel. Now I want to give you an example that we can look at and follow. Turn to Luke chapter 1. A lot of examples in scripture, but I just like this one. And I think it's fitting. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Luke 1 One through seven. In fact, fact, let's let's do this. Let's start with verse five. I want to start with verse five instead of verse one. In the days Herod king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the of the division of Abijah, and he had the and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God. Walking blamelessly in all the commands and statutes of the Lord But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren And both were advanced in years So it says these, it says about these people That they are righteous before the Lord They are righteous before God Walking blamelessly in his commandments They are following the Lord They are living a life that shows that they are following the Lord And they're approached by an angel that says You're going to have a son and Zechariah actually says, what? I guess we're, we're older, advanced in years. This ain't going to happen. And, and if you read through this chapter, which I encourage you to keep doing, it, it, the angel says, because you didn't believe me, you're not going to be able to speak until this child's born. Anybody know who's, what, what the name of their son was? J.B., right? John the Baptist. Their son turns out to be John the Baptist, right? Good old J.B., But they were were a couple that lived a life loving God and serving God. And they were going to dedicate their son to God to do the same. Now, J.B. just didn't turn into John the Baptist overnight, right? They had to raise him up. They had to raise him up to love the Lord. They had to raise him up in the temple. That's exactly what they did. They dedicated him to the Lord. You know what John the Baptist, he never cared about greed or money. What did it say that he wore? What did he wear? Let's have an interactive sermon this morning. Anybody know? Camel hair. camel hair. Probably not the most comfortable thing. Camels stink too, if you've ever been around a camel. But he wore camel hair. You know what he ate? Anybody know what he ate? Locusts and honey. Locusts and honey's good, but I don't know about a locust. I've never had fried locusts. Maybe it's okay. But John the Baptist didn't live a life of, like, I don't know. Flaunting and and worried about money and wealth. He lived in the wilderness. Guess who taught him that there were more important things than money and houses and nice chariots? His parents, because they followed the Lord. They were faithful. They were faithful. Our life must show the truth of Jesus Christ with our kids. Our life must show that. Our lives should show that we are living out the truth of God's word in our homes. If our kids, listen to me, I'm not with you guys every day of the week. You're probably glad, some of you, that I'm not with you every day of the week. Because I'm rough to deal with sometimes. But I'm not with you every day of the week. But if they see you worship Jesus on Sunday and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. I love Jesus. But then you live like the world the rest of the week. They're going to call you something. Anybody know what that is? A hypocrite. A hypocrite is one that puts on a mask. That you have the appearance of something that you're not. That's what they're going to call you. It doesn't, listen to me. It doesn't matter how you live for the hour that you're here on Sunday morning or the two hours or the three hours. It, It matters how you live your life through your week with your kids. Anybody can come in here and fool the old preacher. I could fool you. But if, if I don't live like a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the week, I'm a hypocrite. And I should be convicted of that if I am. The most important, listen, the most important mission field that you have, Crossbridge, is inside your home. I've said it before and i say it again. If I am worried about everybody else's salvation and not my own family's, I have failed as a father. I have failed as a leader. I have failed as a preacher. My family and their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ has to be the most important mission field that I have. So it brings up a question. Let's get a little bit more in depth here. Into the problem. Don't answer me, rhetorical question here. But if your child were to ask you today, Mom, Dad, how does somebody go to heaven? What would your answer be? What would your answer be? Would you give them some kind of canned answer? Here's some answers that the American church has been giving youth for a long time. And I'm going to call them out. Well, I mean, you just have to ask Jesus into your heart. What does that mean? I mean, just ask Jesus into your heart. What does that mean? That's a canned answer. That's a canned answer. What does that mean? Well, well I'm, I mean, go talk to the preacher. No, no, no. Mom, Dad, why can't you tell me? Well, let's set up a meeting with the preacher. It's your mission field. I'll be more than happy to talk to your kids. I love talking to youth and sharing the gospel. But if you can't answer these that question, we got a problem. Now I'm gonna give you the answers here in a minute. It's not really a test because I'm gonna give you the answer. It's gonna be a fun test. American church, well, you gotta be baptized. Gotta be a part of the church. Gotta read your Bible. Gotta be a good person. These are all the answers that the church has been giving teenagers for way too long. That are, guess what? They're false answers. And the church and preachers have been playing into it. You know how we play into it? Well, let's hold a youth service and everyone bow your head and close your eyes and raise your hand if you want to be saved from hell. Well, how many's going to raise their hand in there? Everybody. Does that mean they have salvation? Does that mean that they know that they've sinned against the Holy God? Does that mean that they understand anything? No. And then we baptize them and they leave the church after high school because they never had a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because nobody ever explained it to them. Nobody ever explained it to them. Everything that I just mentioned are six very common things That we hear in the American church, at youth camps, at revivals. And guess what? They aren't in the Bible. They aren't in the Bible. I just shared with you a bunch of hogwash that the American church has been sharing for decades. And that's why we have raised up generations of false converts. Who don't know the Jesus of this book. Much less how to be saved. You know why? Because their parents and their youth leaders don't. That's a hard truth. You know what? We see that in our society. We see that because the American church is having zero, and I mean zero impact on the kingdom. It is the world. And that's an tr- impact on America's youth and in the church. And the church is the world. And that's a truth. Now, man, this has been rough so far, right? Let me take a step back. I can't do anything about what other congregations do. I can't do a single thing about what other churches teach their youth and their kids. I can only call out error like I just did. But what God has done is placed over a local body of believers, a group of elders that will be held accountable one day for what is taught according to scripture. We're going to be called on the carpet for that. And I certainly don't want a parent or a grandparent here today to not be able to answer their child when they come to them and say, how, how do we go to heaven? If you have to pick up the phone and call me and say, would you have a meeting with my child? Because you can't answer that question. We need to do a better job, elders, and I need to do a better job. So I'm about ready to. This is what you do. You open the book. And you speak the truth of Jesus Christ. You speak the truth and ultimate love to your child, your grandchild, your spouse, whoever you're talking to, a teenager. This is where you start. Pens and pencils, papers open if you don't know these verses. This is where you start. You start by telling little Johnny or Mary that she is a sinner. And she has violated a holy God. That she has lied She has sinned, not against you, against God. And that because of that sin, she she or he is separated from God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes everybody. Including sweet little Johnny and Mary or whoever it is. Hope we don't have any little Johnnies in here. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. That's the truth. The second thing. Because their sin has violated God, there absolutely is a punishment for their sin. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin, what you earn, the wages of sin is death. And just like you, they have a major sin debt and a major punishment coming. Oh, but Pastor Jeff, I don't want to talk to my kids about hell. That would scare them. We need to be scared at the thought of God's wrath against sin. We need to get to the point in our life where we understand that it's truthful and real. And that's a problem that all people have, including me. That's a problem that our country has. That we don't fully grasp and understand the reality of the wrath of God against sin. We see that poured out on the cross. And it needs to be talked about. It has to be talked about. That what they deserve is not life. What we deserve is punishment. I'm going to get to the good news part here in just a second, but you have to start start here. You would tell them, the third thing, that no amount of good, there's no amount of good, there's no amount of following God's law that they can do to make up for their sin. Romans 3.20 says, For by the works of the law, no human will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. There's no amount of good, there's no amount of... Overcoming their sin that they can do We have an overcomer that overcame sin His name is Christ We're going to get to that in just a second You tell them that if they try to work for their salvation If they try to earn it by their own merit They are cut off from Christ They're separated from grace There's nothing that they can do to earn it Turn to Galatians 5, 2-6 through 6. I'm going to read these It says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You can't work for it. There's no amount of trying to keep in the law and being a good person that you can do to be saved, to be saved from your punishment. You tell them, here's the good news, that the Lord Jesus Christ came and died for their sins. That on the cross, our sins were placed on him. That's 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You tell them that if they believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, God in flesh, died on the cross, rose again from the grave, defeating death, defeating hell and Satan, that if they believe that and profess that with their mouth, that they'll be saved. That's what you tell them. You don't give them a canned answer. Enough of the canned answers. Because if people actually have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, are they going to leave the church? No, because they realize what God's done for them. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says. They're not going anywhere. Nothing else would matter but Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified And with the mouth one confesses and is saved That's the message of salvation in Christ And when someone is in Jesus They are changed God changes them And now they have a desire to serve the living God That's what you tell them You don't give them a canned answer Enough canned answers Your mission field is at home we wouldn't hire youth leaders that give canned answers. We wouldn't. Elders aren't going to give canned answers. We as the church can't give a canned answer. Last point. How do we keep them from being left behind? Well, I just shared part of that. And the most important part is you share the gospel with them. They have to understand the gospel. And the third point is we engage them. We engage them. Church needs to engage them. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train him up. Ephesians 6, four Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Where does that responsibility start? It starts at home, raising the child up. But what brings up a question? I thought of this. What about if we have young people that don't have parents that are believers. You know what we do? We step up, church. We step up. We step up. We train them. We love them. We care about them. We disciple them. We take them under our wing. We as a church body have to be an active force in their life, actively engage, not just on Sunday morning. Not just on Wednesday night, an active force in their life. One of the most influential people in my life, personally, was a lady named Edna Schaefer. Edna is now in her 90s, but she was a faithful Sunday school teacher that made a huge impact on our lives as kids. She taught us God's word. She taught us the stories. My parents did too, but she was faithful. Faithful in that She loved kids She loved us We knew that There was a time I was ornery when I was young We got some good boys and kids here There was a time where we would run through Sunday school teachers Like a pair of jeans I mean you spend a couple months with us And they're like where they'd go to the Sunday school superintendent and say, we ain't teaching that class anymore. And then you know what would happen? It's funny. My dad would always be the teacher, and he'd walk in. My dad was in the military, and he'd walk in, and he'd say, the pin on the grenade has been pulled, and we knew we better behave because we're not running over this Sunday school teacher. (laughs) But Edna was one that, you know what? She had a quiet, soft voice. We respected her because we knew she loved us, and she taught us. We have a whole group of kids in this church that can be engaged. We have a whole youth group that can be engaged by people in this body. They are the future of the church. We better invest in them. We better pour into them. So how practically can we do that? Here's here's the practical sense. And I'm going to close. VBS is coming up. We got VBS in June. Be honest this morning. There should be a dogfight. I mean, a dogfight for the opportunity to teach our VBS classes. There should be a dogfight, believers, in the opportunity to train up a child in the way he should go. There should be a dogfight for the opportunity to disciple a youth. There should be, there, it should just be war over that. There should be a dogfight for the opportunity to teach our young people. There should be. It should be a dogfight this morning to bid on one of these $100 pies I'm about ready to sell here in a little while. For the opportunity to support our youth. To send them to a godly, biblical-based camp. We should want to do that. Listen to me. You know who the youth aren't going to remember? Remember? They're not going to remember the preacher. <laughs> They're going to remember the, the ones in the body that sat down with them and talked to them and loved them and encouraged them. And we're there for them. Listen to me, you can do that. You wanna, we want to change the culture of young people? We have to change it within the church first. got to change within the church first. Then we get to that. I'm going to close here. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. Why is all this important? Why jump out of the book of John for a week and talk about all this? You know why all this is important? And why I'm preaching about this today? We have to remember who they're facing. Satan and a lost and dying world would love to destroy our children. He would love to just, why? Because they're made in the image of God. Whose responsibility is it? Ours. The best defense against an evil, sinful world is what? Teaching them. What? God's word. Teaching them God's word. Last verse, Psalms 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart, that I may not sin against God, storing up the word, teaching them the word. You say, yeah, but I just don't know enough, or I don't know this. You know what that is? That's an excuse from Satan for you to be lazy and not do it. Just being honest. There's so many people. Being a part of a local body of believers is about engaging. It's engaging. Maybe you're here this morning. And the Holy Spirit has convicted you about how you're doing things in your house. You know, one thing I I absolutely love about our Savior is he allows us to turn back to him. When we're wrong and we're convicted, all we have to do is be obedient and say, God, I'm turning to you. I want to put the brakes on here and turn back to you. Maybe you need to come this morning and pray for your kids, your grandkids. I don't know. If God's working in your heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you understand, hey, I need to sign up for VBS. I need to start getting involved. Go see Miss Sierra downstairs. Say, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do for VBS. I love doing VBS. I love it. I love teaching those kids where they're all over me like a bunch of spider monkeys. I love it. It's great. But bump me out of that spot so you can get in there. I'll still be here. Sign up. Get involved, engage. Be engaged with our youth. Please stand this morning. If you need to come and pray, if you want to join this local body of believers, we're on a mission. Our mission is to change the community for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for the examples that you give us in scripture of what our responsibility is to our young people, our kids, our grandchildren, the youth of this church, Lord. Lord, if we're here this morning, And we're convicted that we haven't been doing this the right way. Lord, I pray that people will be obedient to you today and turn from that. Lord, if there's people here today that have never heard the true gospel, maybe they are here and they've went to a church that's given them a raise your hand to be saved canned answer, Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit has convicted them that they need a Savior. That they need you. And I pray, Lord, that they will be obedient and getting down on their knees and crying out to you to forgive them and save them. They realize that they're separated because of their sin. Lord, I pray for our young people. I pray for them as they enter this world when they graduate, this lost and dying world. Lord, I pray for Joel and Shelly and the huge responsibility that they have. Lord, I pray for our parents this morning that have an even greater responsibility of raising them at home. Lord, let us always dig into your word. Spend time with you in communion. Lord, we love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
3: Yeah.
2: thank you guys this morning. Youth, great job. Good man, great job. We, uh, we have a couple of youth in the back in the sound booth. Stand up and wave at us. They've been trying to hide back there the whole time and they did a good job this morning. All right. Uh, I told them I was going to embarrass them and they weren't happy. Uh, Zach, come on up here. Here comes Zach. Zach has come this morning, and I didn't know that, but Zach graduated Freeway last Saturday, right? Yes. Yeah. And Zach has come today and say, hey, he's been here a while, been here a year, right? But he's saying today, I want to join this local body of believers and stay in this area. So. So we'll, uh, we'll we'll meet, we'll get to meet and, and talk about all that. But he's going to start our uh, new member class. Thanks, buddy. He'll start our new member class coming up uh, in April. We have like an eight-week uh, new member class that me and Max Hartman teach. And it goes about what does it mean to be a church member because Scripture says a lot about it. And we have a great time, and then we have a fellowship dinner with one another, and that's always good. And so um, you got anything you want to say? Uh, yeah. Okay.
0: I just want to thank you for uh, everybody in the church just being warm and loving to uh, people who uh, come in that have backgrounds like uh, people who are in freeway. I just thank you for that, and happy to be a part of this church.
2: Awesome. Thank you. All right. Roxy, tell your two grandkids to come on up here. Yeah, all right, here they come. Tilly and Travis, Jana and David, come on up here. Uh, they have also come. I've been talking with David quite a bit, uh, and they, for, all, for everybody that knows them uh, and knows their family, they have very close ties to Crossbridge, and they have, um, they've been, been at this church for, for quite a while before, and they left for a little while, and now they're coming back and saying, hey, we want, we want to be part of this body. Uh, Jana is De, uh, Denny and Roxy's daughter, and David is Alan and Carol's daughter. So they have very, uh, what did I say? son. Sorry, David. Gender confusion all around this morning. What am I saying? All right. So anyway, they have close ties to this church, very close ties to this church. And they've come this morning and said, hey, we're in. And I've been talking with them for quite a while about this. So anything you guys want to say?
3: say for um, liking this church and I'm so glad that we have Jesus for us and I'm glad that I'm adopted.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Perfect. You think? Okay. All right. So what I want you to do, uh, I want you to come around congratulate them, and then after the service, we're going to take about 10 minutes. I encourage you to stay. We're going to have about 10 minutes. Then we're going to raise some money for youth camp, and then after that, we got a huge meal. So please stay around. Hang out with us. It's a good time. If you've never been to a Crossbridge Youth Auction, it is fun. We have a good time. And you think you're bidding like $25, and you actually bid 50 I think is what it normally goes. But it's a lot of fun. So here's the benediction today before we close in prayer. The benediction is this. This is for the youth. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Just because you're a youth does not mean you cannot set an example for your other brothers and sisters in the church. Set the example. It doesn't matter uh, your age. Let's close in prayer. Special day, I'm going to ask Alan Greenfield if he would close us in prayer this morning and I'm going to bring you the mic just so people downstairs can hear you. Special day for their family.
0: Our holy heavenly Father, we, we truly love you Father and we thank you so very much for loving us and for giving us life and giving us families and giving us a place to come to you to worship and giving us life through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for that. Father, I just simply ask that you would bless each and every family here today. Help us, Father, as we go through our daily lives to set an example that uh, would bring glory and honor to your name and Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.